Hey, welcome to the Road.TV Sermon Podcast. In today's episode, Pastor Rick concludes our transformation series, guiding us through our journey of spiritual growth and maturity. Uh, we're going to unpack core measures of maturity. We're going to delve into Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and understand the significance of going as a mark of our maturity. Join us in this transformation exploration. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with others. Get settled into your favorite spot and get ready as we put a wrap on transformation. Good morning. Good to see everybody. If you're online, thank you for joining us. Uh, We're closing out our transformation series. We've been in it for uh, the past four weeks, and we're talking about our plan, our model for discipleship. And we began with this question, do you want transformation? Right? Why are you here? Because people, just because you come to church doesn't mean you want to be transformed. Uh, Some people come to church uh, to be entertained. Some people come to church uh, to be in control. Some people come to church to find a date, right? Uh, So so why why are you here? Ask yourself the question, why am I here? Am I looking to be transformed into the image of Jesus? And we have learned through this series that there are very clear uh, steps of spiritual maturity, just like biological growth, all spiritual life begins with a spiritual birth. Jesus said, a man must be born again. After birth, the first stage of life is called infancy. The Bible refers to spiritual infancy often. Then to spiritual childhood. Then to spiritual young adulthood. And ultimately to a mature adult. And that's where we are today. Uh, we have used as our verse for this series, our springboard verse, first, our 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Paul wrote these words, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach them to others also. Listen, man, that's the last thing Paul ever wrote. Right there, and here's what he's saying. Here's the secret. Here is the key. To the gospel carrying on is find men who can listen, who can teach other men everything I've taught you. That's discipleship. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much uh, for our time. I pray that you'd speak. I pray that, Father, this would be time that is extremely well spent, that we would all profit from it and gain from it. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to start with this question, what is spiritual maturity? Because most people, when they look at their life, they go, well, I'm spiritually mature. That's because you've defined it yourself, right? And we always define it where we look good. That's just part of life. We always define everything in life where we look good. But in order to understand spiritual maturity, you cannot operate off of your own definition. You need an objective definition. In our case, we need a definition based on truth that is from Jesus. So what did Jesus say spiritual maturity looks like? Well, our definition of discipleship is simple. And, and our definition of this process needs to be as simple, simple enough that a child can understand it. But this is discipleship here. We learn about Jesus, pretty simple. So we can live like Jesus, pretty simple. So we can lead other people to Jesus. That one gets a little bit more difficult. Uh, after our spiritual birth, we enter infancy where the focus of infancy is just to listen and read. Show up, be a part of church, spend time in God's word, listen and read. And then that leads us into spiritual childhood where we begin to serve and engage. And young adulthood where we begin to invest in God's kingdom. And ultimately, we get to the place in life where we're leading other people. We're doing exactly what Paul said. Find people. 
that you can share with what you have learned who will be able to teach others also. Now, a couple of principles about spiritual maturity. It happens slowly. We take our truth. God has illustrated spiritual growth with biological growth, right? Biological growth does not happen quickly. As a matter of fact, if you look at the stages of biological growth, they're almost 10 years to a stage, right? Once a child exits infancy, a short period of life, a fast-growing period of life, they enter childhood, that's about a 10-year 10 10 phase of life. And then you enter adolescence, that's about another 10-year phase of life. And then young adulthood, that can be a 10- to 20-year phase of life. So th- this is a slow, slow process. And what happens as we work our way through maturity is we always want the stage ahead of us, right? Right? Children want to be teenagers, They want to do the things teenagers can do. But when they try to do those things, they get frustrated because they did not have the maturity for it. Teenagers want to be adults. I want to drive a car. I just need you to buy it for me, right? (laughs) Right, watch. I want the privileges of adulthood. I don't have the responsibility necessary. Not only do I want you to pay for my car, my insurance, my phone, my everything. I want to live like an adult, but I don't have the maturity to operate like an adult. Then you get into uh, young adulthood, right? And young adulthood, man, there's that, those young adults, same thing. They're looking forward to the next stage. So here's what happens. I got a lot of young adults in our family just, just talking biological now. They want, as young adults, what their parents took a lifetime to accumulate. Oh, I want to drive what you drive. I want to furnish my house like you furnish. I want to live where you live. It took a lifetime to get to this place and development. And, and everybody's looking up. Then you get to spiritual maturity. Same way as life. And it seems like it all went by so fast. Right? It's the old toilet paper thing. The closer to the end you get, the faster it spins. <laughs> and this is the same way with spiritual life. You're looking at it and you think, man, how did this all happen so quickly. The great thing about spiritual maturity is that while it takes time to achieve, it is not necessarily age-based. You can be spiritually mature at 19 and spiritually immature at 70. It's not an age-based reality. Uh, It's a process. It's a pursuit. So uh, Steph and I were babysitting this weekend, and my son-in-law, he said, listen, I watched online last week. He said, great message. He said, I got a question for you. He said, can you go backwards? Can you go backwards? And I said, well, absolutely you can. Uh, I'm talking about that this week. And I'm talking about it, and I'll I'll tell you, I was talking about it in terms of what happens when we enter senior adulthood. And he said, I feel like trauma set me back. So when our little girl was born, if you don't know the story, she's severely, severely disabled. And he said, I feel like I went so far backwards spiritually. And it dawned on me, there are two things that set us back in our maturity, time and trauma. And so I need you to stop for a second. What's trauma? Trauma is anything that hurts you bad. A divorce, death, a disease, loss of a job. Something happened to you and it was traumatic and all of a sudden you start saying things like this. Listen, I deserve this. Does that sound spiritually mature or does that sound spiritually immature? Right? Who, Who looks at you in biological life and says, I deserve this? What's a child? An infant cries until they get what they want, but it happens to us spiritually, right? And the other thing that happens, listen, because some of you are sitting there right now and you get it. You went through trauma and not only did you stop growing spiritually, you started going backwards spiritually. 
I've been there. I've experienced that. But the other thing that happens is time. Time. And in the biological world, if you have dealt with, and I can say this because I am a senior adult at this point, is if you've dealt with aging parents, you will often watch them regress to childhood. And they start saying things like, I get what I want. I deserve what I want. Does that sound like maturity? No, it's when, in biological life, it's when the child becomes the parent. But it happens in spiritual life. Is that we've been with God so long, we start sounding like a baby again. I want it the way I want it, when I want it, how I want it. We regress. Spiritually, so be careful. Be careful. Because Paul wrote about this, right? If you step back and look at what Paul wrote, Paul was continually saying, man, I'm fighting a good fight. I want to finish my race of faith, right? I want to end well. I don't want to get this far and drop the ball. I want to end well. And it takes a lot of grace to end well. A lot of grace to end well. So how do we measure a win spiritually? How, how do we know if we've matured? How do we, how do we get there? Well, how does anyone know if they win? Teams know if they won. we got some big football games today. They know if they won because they keep scoring. At the end, the guy with the biggest score wins. Businesses uh, know how they win because they keep books, and the person with the most money wins. What happens at church? What's a win look like? And here, here is our warning sign. Church is often guilty of using cultural measurement to determine a spiritual win. That if we measure like the world measures, we won. Dangerous, dangerous ground. Uh, inside church circles, there traditionally been three measures uh, to measure a win. Budgets, buildings, and baptisms. All right, you got a lot of money? You won. Got a big old building? You won. You baptized a lot of people, you won. So, so I want you to work with me. Did Jesus ever say, you've made it if you have a giant church building? Okay, I need an answer on that because I need to know you understand this. Did he ever say that? He never did. Did he ever say, if you've got a giant budget and a lot of money, you won? Did he ever say, and we're going to come back to this and be careful with this one. Did he ever say, if you baptize a lot of people, you won? Hey, I got a question for you. How come every church measures baptisms and nobody measures disciples? Ever been to a church that said, hey, I want to know how many people are growing, not how many people got wet? Right? We have adopted, and we're going to come back to this, a secular measurement system to determine a spiritual win. And it is dangerous ground. Dangerous ground. So if we want to win... Uh, we have to determine what the Bible says. So what did Jesus say about maturity? We have won when what is true. Well, uh, so let's start with what we've been doing in our Bible reading plan, Sermon on the Mount. Hopefully you're trying to memorize that. Give it a whirl. It's not that difficult. Start somewhere. If you only memorize one verse, that's more than you had, right? So work it, work it, try to memorize it. But let's just look at, at the first nine verses. That's where we are this past week. And what Jesus said about what maturity looks like. And he's talking about being blessed, being full of joy, being, being happy. And what, what that looks like. It looks like those who are poor in spirit. Those who mourn. 
those who hunger for righteousness and thirst for it, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, those who are persecuted. How are you doing so far? On spiritual maturity. And that's just nine verses. You keep reading in that Sermon on the Mountain. If you, if you take this journey, you're going to memorize it all. And it talks about hating your brother, lusting after women. It talks about your prayer life and, and how much you give. It talks about hard things. And, and all that is is three chapters. Three chapters of what Jesus said maturity looks like. How are you doing? How does that match up against your standard of spiritual maturity? When you look at what Jesus said about spiritual maturity. Paul wrote in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul listed three measurements in that verse. Number one, unity of faith. Wouldn't it be great if we could all just get along? Why is it that the one thing we're known for is fighting? Church people know how to fight. And Paul said, you want to mark a maturity? Let's try unity of faith. He goes on to say, not only unity of faith, but a knowledge of the Son of God. And then living out what Jesus looked like to the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is what Jesus looked like when he lived. That's maturity. As our staff, um, we sit around the table. This, this, is, our, this is our plan uh, for discipleship. It's not a perfect plan. It is a plan. Uh, and we sit down, we open the Bible, and we came up with some pretty simple markers on the blue side of this uh, that describe the stages of infancy, childhood, young adult, and mature adult. And, uh, and we just sat down with a blank piece of paper, and we started talking about what the Bible said a mature Christian looks like. And we came up with a statement of what a follower of Jesus reaching maturity would look like. Here it is. The spiritually mature adult is a peacemaker, anchored in truth, who lives a gracious and sacrificial life. The most easily recognized trait of maturity is the ability to reproduce a disciple. There it is. So let's talk about it for a second. You fight a lot. You're that person who argues all the time, debates all the time. Uh, are you that guy who thinks it's your job to correct everybody else's life under the guise of spiritual maturity? You might want to think again that those who are spiritually mature keep the peace in the kingdom of God. Anchored in truth. Do you know the word of God or do you have strong opinions? Big difference. Big difference between having an opinion and being anchored in God's word. How about a gracious and sacrificial life? Are you a giver? And I don't, I mean, I'm not asking if you give to the church. Because if you work the discipleship process and he's Lord of life, you're going to. Otherwise, you know where you're at. Right? Y'all are all froze up on me now. I, look, I didn't write this. God did. This isn't new stuff. This is God's word. So part of growing in him is becoming sacrificial and being a giver. And I'm not just talking about, do you write your check to the church? As a rule, are you a gracious and sacrificial individual? Do you look like Jesus? Do you look like Jesus? 
And then the last one is this, the ability to reproduce a disciple. I'll just be honest, there, there are not many who can. Um, can you point to anyone in life, in all of your life, look right here at me, in your entire life, can you point to anybody that you've taught how to be like Jesus? Anybody. That's the mark of a disciple, of a mature believer. The most concise um, verse about discipleship is, is in Matthew 28. Go therefore into all the nations, uh, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all the things I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you even, always, even to the end of the age. Uh, there are three, three markers that Jesus said he's looking for. He said, number one is a go. We go. We go. That's an action word. Uh, Jesus said that we're to go to all the nations. Uh, that's an interesting word in the Greek language. It's the word ethnos, and it means people groups. So here's what Jesus said. Go everywhere to all the people groups, all the peoples. All the peoples. Right? Everywhere. That is a huge, huge statement. So in Acts 1.8, it gets broken down, Right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the othermost parts of the world. Let me put that in a manageable package for you. First of all, you should care about the people immediately around you. That's Jerusalem. Then a little further out, just concentric circles. Then a little further out, and then ultimately to the uttermost parts of the world. But let's take a closer look at that. The easiest people in all the world to share with should be the people in your own family. Because you love them and you don't want them to go to hell. Right? Now you go, I never think about that. It never bothers me. That people in my family may not know Jesus. We're going to get there. Go a little further out. People around me, like me, but around me. Go a little bit further out and we get to this one. Samaritans. You know what a Samaritan was? Half Jew, half Gentile. Watch this. The thought of that person making heaven would turn the stomach of a Jew. So you're a converted Jew and Jesus is going, I want you to go to the people you think don't have a chance. And if you're a Jew, that's a hard pill to swallow. So who's your hard pill? Right, what group of people do you go, they're never going to make it? And I need you to hear that Jesus said, go. Go. And then, it, then it's the people with no chance at all. Uttermost parts of the world, they are people with not one drop of Abraham's blood in them. They don't even have a chance. And Jesus said, yeah. The good news is for them. So here's what Jesus did in a statement. He broke every ethnic barrier, every social barrier, every economic barrier, every geographical barrier that everyone in every place needs to know. And you said, Pastor, I don't ever think about that. It never bothers me that people in my family aren't going to heaven. It never bothers me that people in my community aren't going to heaven. Uh, it, it's never obviously going to bother me that the guy on the other side of the world is not going to heaven. All that tells us is where we are spiritually. And I listen, don't, don't cross your arms because you're not going to do that because you, you're not going to do it. But inside you'll do that, right? Right? What gives you the right? This does. That's what this says. Right? And, and so, so here, here's what I tell you. Don't get all upset about that. Trust the process. Work the process. Figure out where you are. And look at it and go, now I'm going to do what's necessary to spiritually mature so that one day people in my family will matter to me. People in my community will matter to me. People across the world whose names I don't even know, their eternity will matter to me. And it'll disturb me that they don't.
That's spiritual maturity. Maturity is about giving up the lesser for the greater. Uh, I love this statement. Maturity is about giving up pleasure in order to have purpose. I write that down. That thing hammered me like a baseball bat between the eyes. Just about all of our life is about the pursuit of pleasure. What we own, where we go, where we eat, what we buy. And it's about giving up pleasure in order to have purpose. So I mean, let, me, let me help you understand that. Maturity is the difference between being a father and being a dad. It's choosing the great over the good. It's giving up pleasure for purpose. I'm a daddy. I got a responsibility. Maturity is the difference between getting married and having a marriage. I give up pleasure. Don't take that wrong. For purpose. I understand what marriage is really about and I'm pursuing it. Spiritual maturity is the same way. It means we let go of lesser things in order to pursue greater things. Number three, maturity means we live with intentionality. Um, I want you to think about the teens or young adults in your life. All of my kids are in that kind of that young adult stage, and I see this. And about half their lives is they're all over the place, right? They're, they'll work a job for six months and work another job, right? Because that one either got boring or they decided they, something else out there caught their attention. Or if they're in college, they change their degree major every month, <laughs> six months, Right? Because they're all over the place. Right? That's part of a maturing process. That's part of the young adult process. Is that there's no intentionality. But as you mature, that, that, that intentionality becomes part of your life. Same thing's true spiritually. Spiritual children and young adults are all over the place. You read this book on prayer. It's the greatest book ever. It changed your life. Have you read this book about fasting? It's the greatest book ever. It'll change your life. Have you read this book about missions? It's the greatest book ever. It'll change your life. That's part of being a young adult. Spiritually. All over the place, everything's exciting, everything's drawing you in. But when you hit spiritual maturity in adulthood, our purpose begins to become very clear. We are not here to accumulate, we're not here to live for pleasure, we're not here to control, we're here to join God on his mission to introduce this world to a very real Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. We make disciples, not converts. Kind of come back to this. I mentioned it earlier. Um, Jesus never said, see how many people you can baptize. And yet every church you've ever been a part of it uses that measurement as a standard of success. And Jesus never said it. And so what we've done is we've convinced a bunch of people because they walked an aisle and got wet and put their name on a card that they're going to make heaven. Find that in here. Discipleship is a big, big commitment. Okay, so I need y'all to relax a little bit. I know everybody's like, whew, did you get up on the wrong side of the bed this morning? No. It's a lot more fun to make a baby than to raise a baby. I need you all on board with that. Isn't it more fun to make them than to raise them? Right? And so when you get ready to make one, just be ready, you're for the responsibility of raising one. Don't start making them unless you can fulfill that responsibility. So back in my day, a person who went from bed to bed, a guy who went from bed to bed seeing how many women he could get might be called a gigolo. My younger staff told me nobody knows what that is anymore. 
Never even heard of that word. I said, what's the word? Player. Player is the word today. So don't be a spiritual player. Don't be. And we have entire churches built on this structure of how many births can we get. And then we just leave them. We just abandon them. No, when you give birth, you assume responsibility. It's all over Scripture. It's all over Scripture. Our job is not just to get someone baptized. Our job is to walk them to maturity. And that's what our plan is about. That's what this circle is about. It is not perfect, but I'll tell you what it is. It's a plan. You got one better. We'd be loved to see it. But this is what we're doing. It's our pursuit. It shows movement. Last thing, we're done. Teach everything that Jesus taught. So I need you to, to ask, answer this question with me. Uh, first of all, teaching is not about the transfer of information. It's about teaching someone how to learn. Write that down and answer this question out loud with me. Did the disciples know everything about God and Jesus they needed to know when Jesus left this earth? Okay, they did not. Thank you for being in agreement with me on that. Because there was no church when Jesus left this earth. And the book of Acts is about that. And they continue to learn. And then it was, how are we going to do church? And the epistles are about that. And what about all these cultural things and all these different places in the book of epistles there? So, so what did Jesus teach them? He taught them how to learn. What to do when you have a question. Where do you go to get that answer? How do you let the Spirit of God guide you? How do you go to God in prayer about these things? He taught them how to grow spiritually in life. That's Hebrews 5. Verses 13 and 14. Anyone who lives on milk, being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use of it have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It's a growth process. Last point, and I love how uh, life teaches us this. Uh, everyone can lead someone. So write that down and look up here at me. When you have a baby, if you have one baby, you have to teach it everything. Everything. How to eat. Right? Put this food in your mouth. How to go to the bathroom. Everything. How to bathe yourself. How to walk. Right? We have some little ones in our grandbabies that are learning to walk. And everybody will get on the ground and go, take that step. Everybody wants to be the first person that they walk toward. In that process, it's slow. You have your second child. And who teaches a second child? Ah, you got it. Watch this. What? The first one does. And, and watch what will happen. Typically, your second child will learn faster than your first child. Why? Because someone very close to them is teaching them. Someone very close to where they are in maturity is helping them learn how to walk, how to eat, how to talk, how to go to the bathroom. They're encouraging them, right? It's amazing to watch that they do a better job of teaching on the level of an infant than the adult does. Because they're closer to it. Listen to me. You can teach someone. You do not have to be a genius to be used. You just have to be willing. And just say to God, bring somebody to me I can walk with. Bring somebody to me that, you know, I haven't been doing this very long, God. But you know what? I'm, I'm doing my BRP. I could help somebody do that. I could pray for people. Right? There's somebody out there 
that you can lead if you're willing to share your life. Would you pray with me? As we've, uh, as we've worked through this series, I hope you've evaluated your, your, your spiritual life. And, uh, you know, the, really the thing that's most important is making sure you've had that moment of spiritual birth. That you can look at life and you can go, there was a time when, as Jesus said, a man must be born again and it happened for me. And if not, our ministers are here at the front today. Matthew and Elijah and Vic, myself, we'd love, love, love to be able to experience that moment with you where you choose transformation. You choose to follow Jesus. Or maybe as we've worked through this, you've looked at your life and you said, Pastor, nobody ever explained to me that trauma in my life could stop me or set me back. I realized I quit growing. I didn't realize I went backwards. I went back to the life I used to live because of the hurt Or maybe I just did this so long that I started using those phrases like, I deserve this. I've earned this. If that's you, would you be willing to draw a line in the sand today and say, look, I see it. I just don't want to be it. I want to be growing. I want to be pursuing. Maybe the thing that God would say to you today is, look, you need to plant your life at a church. You've been, you've been sitting on a pew. You've been attending. You're, you're doing the Bible reading, but you haven't taken that, fight, that, that step, that commitment to be a part of that spiritual family. And maybe that's you today. You got freedom today to do what God would lead you to do. You're going to pray. Our band's going to lead us. Father, thank you so much for your word, the simplicity of the simple truth, Father, of salvation and discipleship. May we be people, Father, who desire transformation. Who don't want to be what we've always been. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.